0: You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I'm talking to Marcus Birdman, a brilliant comic. I describe him as a, a multimedia artist, I think, in the show notes of this episode. Um, he combines, I mean, recently he's been combining uh, his very good, very solid club comedy. You know, he, this is really someone who could confidently headline any room in the world. Um, but he's, uh, he's been combining that with drawing. He's a, he's a, like a proper drawing artist when you, we don't often talk about artists on this program, at least as people being those who can actually draw. Um, but he can. And also he has other kind of artistic concerns within stand up itself. Um, we, we get onto, we stumble upon something, which I'm very glad we did about how he uses rhythm and meter and language. Uh, In his jokes, he's someone who the jokes themselves become very scripted because he has to nail the same rhythm every time because he wants to, because that's part of the, the architecture of the joke. So there's a really fascinating chat to be had about that. And we talk about his volatile relationship with his father, who was a priest, and with his father's God, who is God. So, or 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 isn't God, depending on your point of view. So we're going to get stuck right into that in just a moment. Quick reminder, both Marcus and myself will be at the Edinburgh Festival. So uh, listen out or check the show notes for details of those shows. Uh, And if you would like to join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, like so many before you uh then not only do you get access to the uh the Slack workspace app that we can all chat to each other and gossip on um but uh you also get the private podcast which has got episodes of uh a show where we critique uh, other comics work newer acts send in their stuff and we all cluster around it and give them our feedback and uh, and also of course extras from any of the shows in the last 296 that have extras this one does there's 30 minutes of extras with marcus uh, including talking about survivor's guilt after the stroke that he suffered uh, the shot at the top he might have missed and whether or not you can fake greatness in comedy lots of excellent stuff there comedianscomediancom slash insiders now this is marcus birdman
1: I mean, have you ever given up for any length of time?
0: Six days, two weeks ago. That's it. You've and that's because I realised that I hadn't gone a week without alcohol since I started drinking.
1: Yeah. Since I was a teenager. Well, I've, I, I usually give up for Lent, which I did this year. And you, you feel fucking marvellous. But the trouble is, it's just so boring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing.
1: You feel so much better. But it is, I just, like, I'm so bored. Because it's it's, what, it's what's, such what's a such a what, it's what, social <laughs> lubricant, you know. Like it's like, and you just feel, I just find in social situations, I just want to go home because it's like there's only so many Coca Colas you can have, and I don't. I feel like I need alcohol to. You know, I'm quite a reserved human being. Yeah, I need one or two. Yeah, yeah. To and I'm not a bad drunk. Like I'm kind of like. uh i I think I'm quite sort of. It sort of brings me out of myself, not into a different human being. Sure. I think I'm better. I'm more me than, than I am sober. Is <laughs> <in>, the- <laughs> that worrying?
0: <laughs> I'm well, more myself after. I mean, that for me is a red flag.
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> no, because like you know, four or five, then I'm more someone else. But, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, I just I just find myself in, I find myself sort of like I feel physically better but I'm kind of grumpy. Like, I sort of go through that hungover. I'm, God, oh, God, it's like, isn't everything shit? Like, I don't feel like that. I just feel bored with existence.
0: (laughs) Do you mean sober? Yeah, sober. Sober. Sober.
1: I'm like, I feel physically so much better, but, like, what's the point?
0: (laughs) You know, this is boring. And is the month off every year, is that to reassure yourself you're not an alcoholic? Yeah. It is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And to sort of clean up. But, yeah, just to reassure. See, I don't... I've said too many times I don't have a problem with alcohol to sort of... Yeah. I, I don't think... I've, I haven't got a major problem with alcohol. <laughs> but like many, many... You know, the life, it's just the lifestyle we lead. It's like I'm, I'm not... I don't have an addictive personality, so I don't have to watch it in that sense, you know? Um, but it's just too easy to booze in this job, you know? Do you, do
0: you enjoy the lifestyle of being a comedian?
1: Yeah. I love it.
0: Do you consider yourself a road comedian?
1: Um, as defined by me, yes. Nice. So my definition is that's I sort of I think uh, Tom Rhodes, who you all know, yes. uh, I don't know if you've interviewed him. Uh, not but, yet. No, uh, no. You know, superb human being and comedian. He describes himself as a as a sort of of that um, road warrior, gunslinger, Shane kind of character, you know. And I sort of uh, so there's a romance of that, and I think I I might affectatiously if that's a word adhere to that i don't adhere to the drinking and shagging and boozing aspect of the road warrior i've done that but I've, i don't want to glorify that yeah that's that's not great behavior that's not behavior that i would judge it on anyone or indeed on myself but like i think so i so i the, the, my my definition yes i'm a am a road comic yes um, perhaps someone else's slightly more pejorative definition of what a road comic might you're, be.
0: You're leaning more to the poet end of the warrior. Yeah, poet. the Jack
1: Kerouac yeah. <laughs> yeah. side of the road <laughs> rather than the face down in the gut of the road, you know. Yeah. And that slightly laddie. Um, connotation of maybe what rogue warren might be used as someone sort of using it as a bit with, with a, a bit pejoratively
0: sure because you you uh, have the soul of an artist you are an artist you started off as an artist yeah
1: yeah do i have this i don't know yeah i suppose so i, I wonder what that means i think i do i certainly started like when i grew up i didn't want to be a comedian you know i didn't i didn't even occur to me i don't know the first thing about it um i wanted to be an artist I, you know I, well, since the age of 10 I've, i was I've, i was drawing all the time you know um and grew up and went to art college and that was all i wanted to be and then when i when i started to go to college i got into a band and started to enjoy the performance angle of it
0: um what sort of what sort of
1: band was it, and what did you play? Oh, I mean, well, I you what you We were called. <laughs> well, we had a few incarnations. We were called Cup of Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, nice. This so, was the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah really nice.
1: fair, so. so it was very sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers, California, White Boy Funk kind of. Yeah. Well, we were good. You know, we had we had we we we, we were a really really good successful university band, and we did lots of good support with with like the Prodigy and and. Uh, Potwilly itself and lots of good people like you know um, Galliano so so, and we did a lot of festivals and we were we were decent you know what I mean I mean mean, uh, up to a point what was your role in the band I was the drummer and then I played the bass and I did sort of Singing slash rapping in, and I I, I turn that in the loosest possible sense. <laughs> Does any of this exist in recorded media? <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay, fine. It, remain, it remain in that vault somewhere. Okay, fine. No, I make you available. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, but I always wrote the lyrics, and I'd, I've always written, and even within my art, when I was doing visual art, I used the written word as well, both as narrative and decoratively. Uh, you know, from a, in that, in a way that graffiti does. I was very inspired by graffiti, and I was very inspired by a sort of primitive art, so called primitive art, outsider art. I don't is that a term you know?
0: Yeah, uh, I understand outsider art to mean. Uh, stuff that doesn't sell for any money, but it's art as cult, as kind of like a tool for people to use rather than an artefact necessarily to be admired in the gallery. Okay, well actually... Is that wrong? Is that
1: wrong? Uh, I think the term technically means, I mean, I guess it's a loose definition, but it's often used on people who have been in mental institutions. Okay. So they use okay. it to express right. themselves. Gotcha. But it is indeed that, not sold. But now it's become very culty and then championed by a few well-known artists like, uh, contemporarily, DeBuffet being one of them, Picasso was another one. Mm. Um, a lot of those abstract expressionists who were looking for quite childlike things. They then really championed these outsider artists who were literally locked up in an asylum silence, um, doing it as a kind of craft club thing. And then, you know, as is the way of the world, they started selling Big bucks and actually starting, to actually, you know, it became its own okay. uh, ism uh, and genre. But initially, it was uh, uh, um, it was exactly that it was sort of crafty, really. Um, but they would there'd be a lot of, and it, and it didn't conform to that kind of classical norm of what you should do. So that you know, people just fucking did what they wanted. You know, so there were a lot of writing on stuff, and and um, I really liked this use of, as, as I say, using words as narrative and using words as decoration um it just looked nice as a as a pattern um
0: it is there and this might be a completely uh this might be a red herring but i know your dad was a vicar mm. and that makes me when i think of kind of uh the word being decorative it makes me think of biblical kind of yeah, no, it's illuminated uh, was scriptures. that something that you were exposed to yeah, as, absolutely as a kid? absolutely
1: that, i mean exactly. i would say um that my the, my f- father is the reason I learned to draw because he he um he taught r he was he was the chaplain in the school i was at, uh, at and he taught r e by getting us to draw cartoons of the scriptures um so rather than it being or as he saw it anyway rather than it being sort of rather dry just sort of text based stuff and him banging on from the bible he sort of made us go and make a cartoon out of that um and i just I, it, it, I suspect if I'm junior psyching myself, uh, I did it to please my father. Tried to do that really well, and I did it because I actually enjoyed I, art. And those are probably one and the same thing. Perhaps certainly at that point in my life, anyway. Um, you mean what two things were the same? i learning to draw because I enjoyed it, and learning to draw because I pleased my father. Sure, my father, okay. my my, mine and my father's relationship has always been relatively. Um, volatile um, uh, I might that might be my own red herring but I sort of think if I'm looking back at it and doing a junior psych that might be the case you know um, so so I learnt to draw by doing these cartoons of the scriptures so um, you know, make of that what you will uh, for a 14-year-old boy, a very God-fearing boy, you know? Were you? Uh, yes, you absolutely. Were, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: What kind of, um, when? whenever I hear vicar, I always think gentle Church of England, not necessarily hell-related. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> right. No,
1: absolutely much more that, um, that sort of Church of England, cucumber sandwiches aspect of it. Okay.
0: So he... Uh, What's the relationship between that and you being
1: God-fearing? Well, because I grew up... Believing in God, I grew up. I think I was about sixteen before I realised that not everyone's father was a vicar. <laughs> you know, it just sort yeah. of didn't occur to me. So it's so it's so much part of my. And then when I sort of started questioning it, it at, at that sort of fifteen, sixteen age, and I'm confirmed and all that sort of business, I absolutely had a relationship with God. I can remember. Having that relationship with God, you know, as a as a person, as much as, as one wants to sort of label him like that. Praying to him, talking to him, uh, often at conflict with him, but definitely he existed in my life. And I had to re-deconstruct him to the point that now, as an adult, he no longer exists, but I remember him. Um, and so I was just very... And it isn't that my father was overly kind of hell and brimstone. He was more, you know, as, as, you, as you rightly pointed out, Church of England, nicely, nicely. Uh, uh, but I, he just, I think the assumption amongst my siblings and, and was that, that God exists, God is the, the word. And, you know, I didn't question that. Well, when I started questioning it, anyway, I questioned it from the point of, like, belligerence and being a, being um, a being wrong and being, in some way, um, morally destitute.
0: <laughs> it must be a very complex relationship to have with your dad very nice, when sir. he is the... If it's volatile to begin with, just presumably just because of personality and because mm. you're a boy and he's your dad, yes, yes. hence, you know, struggle... Um, but for the, for him to be the representative of on earth... Of God on earth. Of God. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then yeah. for you to... Presumably, I mean, I remember when I... I don't think I ever really had faith. I just, I remember being about 11 and kind of going, oh, this isn't real, is it? Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? And because mm. it was the God in my life was... Or the religion in my life was applied by a school which I didn't like and mm. resented. It was only at for a few years. Mm. And over that time, very quickly went, wait a minute. For me, it was sort of... It, it had no relationship to my family yeah. it was me just going there's a, there's a thing that I go away from my family to this school there are religious-y type stuff and I had a, an awakening where I kind of open, I kind of risked open, opening my eyes during the Lord's Prayer yeah. and went oh oh, I thought I was going to oh, get hit by I my, know, I like, oh wait nothing. a minute <laughs> none of it's real yeah, you know yeah, yeah. but, but I, I, I had a lot of resentment for my up until my kind of 20s when I finally got over myself I was very like hey man this is a cult this is bullshit you mm. know I had like a sort of a, a certain amount of um mm uh testosterone fueled resentment about having been lied to. Mm. And that By didn't whom? Even... By your parents, were they No 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 they weren't they, like, right. they didn't get also, you know. Yeah, but yeah. but a sort of I, I suppose I used that as one of the things. I resented my school yeah. and I res- and I kind of that they stood in, they were like the totem of school is lying to me, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Via religion, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but what I mean is that is a comparatively simple thing. Well, this is an institution
1: outside of you, I think. Whereas, whereas, it's a bit like you know, maybe it's like the police. You can choose to resent the police, you can choose to pick up bits of the police that you think that's just quite valid. And then you can choose to sort of go, well, have a healthy disrespect for the police because it's an institution and outside of you. But the trouble is, as you said, as you're pointing out, you know, it's part of my DNA and I can't, I had to kill it. You know what I mean? I can't just I can't just sort of go, well, I'm not going over there again. I'll just I'll choose to visit another place. I I I had to cut that limb of me off, um, because it was part of my DNA. Um,
0: and did you what was your dad's reaction to that? Well quite it's interesting actually, because I think
1: out of out of all, my sister still goes to church my brother goes to church but I think really because he wanted to get his kids into good schools and my other sister has never been a believer and and sort of never really and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way but has never been a sort of deep thinker Um, so she's just sort of like "Eh," you know um, where um, and although I'm the sort of confirmed atheist and the badge wearing atheist I would say and I think he would agree with me I am the most religious of his children I and I still would say I'm very religious. My terminology and language is very religious. I would often it be like god bless you. Um, you know so much of my of my turns of phrase are religious. My my interests are quite religious. I'm still very f- interested in it, you know. Um, and and how it pertains to people's behavior now.
0: So that's it. so you're not the most believingist of yeah. his children, but, but you're I'm the, the most, most, most interested religious. in religion and I
1: have the, and he says I have the most conversations with him. He sorry he has the most conversations with me about religion, and though, and though I'm you know and I'm questioning it more with an intelligence, and uh, uh, so I think in in that sense I think he he is he accepts that. I think it's it, it's it's a, it's a sorrow for him, but um, we converse, and I think you know I've done a, a couple of shows on religion edinburgh shows where he became my it's quite handy actually he you know, became my handy sort of consultant if i'm trying to remember so that bit you know so where was it that jesus said you know get behind me satan and he'll go well it was in the wilderness so go, thank you he <laughs> you know I really mean? like and uh, of course one has wikipedia for that now but like <laughs> you know back in the back in the day so so i would he was my go to for for uh, religious conversation and religious knowledge and religious information
0: Did you feel, we mentioned outsider art, and I just want to stay with that word for Mm. a second. Did you feel, do you, or have you felt like an outsider to Uh, society, to religion, to, you
1: know? Yes. Um, I think I've always been an outsider. Um, I think, so I went to public school, but I'm not wealthy. My father was the chaplain, so we got in on scholarships. Um, uh, well actually I got an art scholarship, uh, but, but, so I was an outsider in that respect. All my friends, you know, were n- minted, you know, my best friend had a Picasso in his bedroom, you know, so you got this really that. weird, yeah, yeah, I mean, That's you know, the, crazy, the, crazy stuff, you know.
0: One of those ones on a napkin that uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, Pablo no, no, did to no. get a and a, wa- and a warhol. A
1: proper yeah. one? Proper one, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Proper one. Right. Um, and, um, I didn't know anyone. I Ooh, no, I know, well, I know, because it's ludicrous. <laughs> and, and, and again, you know, it's, it's sort of uh, one only, that was my norm as well. So it's only once you leave that institution that you realise, oh, not everybody's friends have got Picassos in there, you know, or have got Ferraris, or I've got like, he's I mean, very well, I mean, public, you know, I mean, not, not all people at public school were like that. Sure. Some people are quite normal, but they're all wealthy. Um, but some people are super, super wealthy. Um, so I was always, so I, was, I felt the odd one out there. I felt the odd one out And perhaps my family, because I'm the most artistic when my brothers and sisters are more... um, uh, Well, they're not creatives in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I felt an an outsider in my own family, and I think um, being an atheist in that family as well, sort of a bit later on, always made me feel... I always felt at odds with... I I I think I got reviewed by someone who I can't remember saying he was he is a man at odds with the universe and i and i remember thinking that's that is absolutely spot on and my i remember my father saying oh i read a review about you and that is absolutely spot on and i think that's sort of um well i think that might be the true of any creative i think that might be you know to you need that slightly looking outside being outside rather than looking in at society
0: and Um, how much is that outsider quality a choice and how much is, like how much of it is uh, deliberate, like as a resistance to something, and how much of it is simply who you were just born as? Mm. Well, I think it was I think it I don't know that. I mean that's a big
1: nature-nurture debate, I think, probably isn't it? I, what, I feel that, that is who, that's just who I have been naturally, though I have continued to make choices um, that are that, that keep that slightly outsider view you know I think I'm still I'm mean, not an angry young man anymore I'm an angry <laughs> middle aged man now you know and I feel like I'm not as angry as I was and that I might have choice over I, I certainly had no choice over how angry I was as a kid it wouldn't be a case of I like, go I'll just drop that I'm chemically you know angry I I'm, I don't think I'm that now I think I can make the decision to be quite benign and less angry but I kind of want to be angry because it still defines who I am. So I could, I'm hanging on to that. Um, I don't want to be um, like those plebs. <laughs> you mean your family specifically? <laughs> no, I mean like, like everybody, like everyone else, else. Like, yeah, every- the insiders. <laughs> yeah. Can I swear? Yeah, of course. Yeah, do. there's a there's a great um, a phrase from. Uh, uh, John, you know Johnny Rotten, John Lydon. He goes, I've I've met the man in the street, and he's a cunt. <laughs> and, I, and I rather kind of, I, but, but now I sort of, I, I it amuses me that stance. You know what I mean? And I don't, I'm nowhere near as as uh, chip on my shoulder as I was. And I don't, I'm angry, but I'm not sort of, I'm much more benign than I was. But I what still. What was the
0: chip? What was the chip on
1: your shoulder? I think, I think, I think going back, I think maybe the chip was like. Being uh, having no money in a in a in a a scenario where people had loads of money, I think that I think that if I if I look back at it, I I find that quite challenging. The other thing, of course, is being being taught in a school, being at the school that your father's at, is a quite a peculiar. You know, that's quite a. You know, most people. I mean, the head. I was the headmaster's son was in the same class as me, and he was a total fuck up. And you know, and I, and I, and I kind of kept Did it together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because I think we we related to each other because it's a bad situation to be in to be at the school that your that your you know parents are at. There's no, and we live. I lived on it, you know. So I so, so I lived. We went to school six days a week, but my but then there was uh, sc- uh, chapel on Sunday. I lived on the school because the chaplaincy was in school. So so it was like my absolute complete world, you know. And, but then, but then not having the all the trappings of that wealth, and I've you know I've grown up to kind of go see that that's that's not all it's made out to be, um, but I definitely felt angry about that. And well, no, that's not one's fault by my own. But um,
0: is there? Um, it strikes me that the identity of an artist might be quite a powerful way of. Uh, like an empowering way to deal with not having much money. Well it's very romantic, yes. Like if you, if you don't have much money when you're a kid, when you're a teenager. Yeah. If you've decided to be an artist, then maybe that aligns with hey, I don't need money, guys. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps
1: it does. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Um Uh Yeah. Well, there is that sort of romantic, sort of starving in the garret kind of notion, which is a a notion I never adhered to, because I thought... (laughs) We had loads of food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but I I felt like I felt... I think I felt... I mean, this is one of the things that really attracted me to stand-up going forward a few years, was, you know, I identified... At an early age, I wanted to be an artist. Then, then I, you know, I catch all of. I wanted to be a creative, live a creative life. And then, but then, you know, literally not being able to sell a painting or or, or um, get anywhere with that kind of scenario. Same with the band, particularly. We didn't get any money from doing that. Um, and uh, and then people were going, "Oh, there's you can get paid for doing gigs." And I thought, "Well, I'm, you know, I work really. hard. I'm not poor because I'm indolent." I'm poor because there's no money in this notion of artists shouldn't get paid, you know? And, and like, like, if... Uh, why shouldn't I get... You know, if I used my... I'm, I'm a smart dude who went to a very good school. You know, 100 years ago, I'd have been running Singapore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, if I'd chosen to do that route uh, of, of going into the military or going into the city, which was the routes for people, you know, no, no disrespect to the people I was at school with, but less able than me doing who i've run into these days and you know you know from a material point of view just just sort of live live very well and I, and that's not to sort of go that they haven't worked for that and they aren't smart people they are but like you know i haven't sat on my ass and that's why i'm kind of um I mean, this sounds very that's right but like kind of like you know the reason you're poor is because you sit around doing nothing but i work really hard so why shouldn't I make a living out of it? You know what I mean. So I felt, so I felt like, and I'm not doing that. I don't understand the mechanisms of that within the art world. But comedy was like, no, no, no. If you, just, if you work really hard, and back when we started, and you know, it really was a meritocracy. If you're if you're good, and you work really hard, it will pay off mm. because it's because at that point it was it was a meritocracy.
0: We worked with uh, Andrew O'Neill last night, the previous guest on the podcast, who had a very funny bit about the fact that he. Um, uh, he, when he started stand-up there was loads of money around but he wasn't good enough to make it and now he's good enough and all the money's <laughs> <Yeah>. fucked off. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's quite galling.
0: <laughs> Do you, we talked a little bit last night about um, the progression mm. and the illusion of progression that mm. the circuit creates. Mm. So just in terms of what you're saying when you, when you arrive at stand-up when you bring yourself to stand-up and you're like, oh, actually I can mm. make money from this. Do you remember the first gig that you got paid for? Uh, gosh, I'd,
1: actually, I don't do... Well, you see, now, now I'm missing a slight bit, bit here of my life, which I think is pertinent. Um, I, having, when the ba- my band, my band, the band I was in, in sort of imploded, as the lyric writer, I ended up doing a lot of performance... Uh, Poetry and spoken word. So that, so, and I did that for a few years, uh, which I really enjoyed. And there was quite a, I was living in Brighton, there was quite a burgeoning scene in Brighton, a Do Tongue scene. And then up here, when I moved to London, it was called Do Tongues, that was the sort of of operation um, who ran things in Brighton. It was quite a kind of good scene. And then I moved to London, and there was quite a good scene there as well. Um, And it was whilst doing that that someone said, Hey, you know, you're. you're was actually the, the friend of my then the mother of my child, uh, uh, Colette, who worked in comedy. And she said, I think you're really funny. You should be a comedian. And I was like, That was the first I'd ever thought. I'd never been to com- comedy. I thought, Well, I, actually, I had. I've been to comedy once, you know? And I. Um,
0: like a club? Yeah, I
1: went to the old comedy store and I saw. It was incredible. I saw uh, Lee Evans in okay. that. You know that. You know what the old comedy store is. That it's now the it used club, to be isn't it? Storm? not the club, It's some um, storm. Yeah, yeah Tiny sure. room. Yeah, and Lee Evans. You know, just all that suction feet off the. Sure, it was Incredible. Sure, sure. You know, just the, I mean, you know, he he's got the energy to fill the O2, yeah. Imagine what he's like in a hundred seater room. It was yeah. unbelievable. But that was the only experience I've ever had of doing stand up, and and my thought was like um god god no i don't want to do that that's scary you know that's a whole different league and then i sort of thought when she and then she entered me into so you think you're funny um so i was like well i don't want to be a boller i'll do it it'll be awful um but at least i can hold my hand up and go you know i didn't i didn't i didn't yeah. it i did it and i ended up getting into the final so and then then when i got into edinburgh and then god we were exposed to other comedians and then there were other comedians um, who were starting to do performance poetry stuff as well, Antopolsky, Topolsky, Simon Munnery, Stuart Lee. So I met them and they're going, yeah, yeah you could make a living out of this, you know. And, uh, and uh, I started to see, oh, maybe that's true. So I didn't, so to go back to your immediate, immediate question, I didn't never do stand-up and then do a stand-up gig. Gotcha. I'd already done some gigs, or lots of gigs rather, as, as, a, as well as, as a, I've got on stage in a band, since I was 16, and I also did two or three years of performed poetry, which I got paid for. So I don't really remember. And then when I started doing stand-up as well, I would do a bit of poetry and a bit of stand-up. So I can't remember at what point there was no more poetry. It was just pure stand-up, for want of a better phrase, you know? Um, I don't know when that was, and I don't know when that was that I then got paid for it.
0: So this is Marcus. He's he's an I love talking to Marcus, and uh, he's someone I know well enough to prod gently about his preconceptions of himself. Um, it was interesting talking to him about anger and exactly you know the difference between the sort of low level resentment anger that he might feel at the world and his use or not of that anger in his stand up. Lots more excellent stuff to come, and of course half an hour of extras at comedianscomedian dot com slash insiders. Uh, I, yeah, really. Uh, I tailed off there. I was about to reminisce about a gig we did once in Graz, in Austria, which was the the first gig I ever did abroad. Uh, and I remember eagerly listening to everything Marcus said in a very excitable kind of. Um, who else was on that one? Uh, I just had a flash of the guy whose name I can't remember, but he's in Batman. You know, he's the comic who, when you were watching uh, the Dark Knight. There's the scene on the ferry, and there's that comic. He's done movies. He's in a Jackie Chan movie. Tell me a great anecdote about Jackie Chan, which I often pass off as my own. Can't remember his name. Uh, email in if you know. <laughs> this is this is only appropriate to Circuit Comics from the UK from around the end of the 2000s. Um, uh, what is that man's name? Very good comic. Anyway, it was the three of us. We were in Austria, and uh, we had a lot of fun. But that was me deciding not to bore you all with that anecdote. Anyway... God, right. It's Monday morning and um, I have got lots to do. More on that in a very short postamble. But that's all of that. Uh, As I said, Marcus is doing an Edinburgh show. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end, but uh, also check the show notes, get a link and uh, get a ticket to that or simply turn up if he's on the free fringe or one of them. I think he might be. Um, And you can also see my work in progress show Primer, which is uh, which I'm twiddling the poster as we speak. One of the many, many things to do as we enter June. And for once this year, I'm not white knuckling it because it is a work in progress. And the point of it is I'm going to write it all morning, do it at three o'clock every day and then uh, be at the festival and then rewrite it the following morning. And hopefully it will change and develop throughout the festival. So I'm really looking forward to that. But there is an extent to which... I I don't have the fear of, oh, God, it's got to be perfect. I have the fear of, oh, God, it has to exist and continue to existing. And I have to kind of climb the hill every time, as opposed to the regular festival where once you've got your eye in over the first couple of days, you're like, that's the show. It works. Let's do it. This one, I've sort of compressed a year's worth of work into a few hours every morning of August. It's going to be fun either way. Listen, uh, I'll chat to you more at the end. Let's get back to Marcus Birdman. <music> you're not an angry stand-up like it would seem to me like stand-up is a big outlet for emotion but i don't if you're someone who kind of feels like you have an angry a a, a chemical anger i i mean when i might presume that would come out Mm. on stage somehow but it doesn't it doesn't well it doesn't because it doesn't
1: work i've tried i i've tried to do it and i sound Angry. <laughs> Funny that <enough, isn't> <laughs> I sound. I sound overly earnest, overly tub thumping, and uh, you know. I think. I think I feel, and I've always felt. You know, I feel like I feel less like this now. Um, and we had this conversation yesterday. Like I, I, I care a lot less about how anything works these days. Just you know, leave me alone. Um, but I certainly screw up and started doing stand-up in that kind of... If if everybody would shut up and listen to me, the world would be a better place. I got the answers. Um, And I, you know, wanted to do stand-up like that, I think. You know, sort of... I think I wanted to do artwork like that. Um, And one of my frustrations with the artwork and why I sort of abandoned it for a while was I felt it was too esoteric, too... too, um, unable to express it didn't express itself very well it's it has a very much i mean indeed i feel like it has a um it deliberately obfuscates its own message so that it's like if you if you need to ask you'll never know type thing and one of the things i like about stand-up is it's like it's very direct it's like rap it's it's informative it tells you what that person is thinking in a very dark it's, it doesn't emote it's not poetry it's not lyrics it's not painting it's there not isn't dance. necessarily any
0: subtext no it's what
1: it's, 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 it's text it has to hit your cranium at exactly the same speed as it as, as it will be understood and it is being said in real time one doesn't muse over it it is information about one's stance and i found that if i if i've used it to to fully express That aspect of me, the angry side of me, I just sound tub thumping and it doesn't work. I don't know why it doesn't work. I've tried it because I I wish I could be more issue based, but I find it's just maybe it's because I am, uh, you know, my default setting is to be a little bit angry and a bit spiky. And so I need to slightly dress up. I need to find the I need that's not all of me I, I am also a delightful human being as you pointed out <laughs> and a warm person and I think I you know I think I am friendly as well I don't, oh, cool. I'm not sort of you know I've been disingenuous to myself um, uh, I can be incredibly spiky but I don't, it's, it genuinely I, you know I like people and I like socialising into well, actually I don't like socialising as much as I like having one on one conversations um, uh, and I think I'm benevolent of spirit but that's the bit of me that I think works on stage not the, um, not the, why don't you wanker, shut the fuck up, and listen to me? I've got all the answers, you're a pack of cunts. <laughs> Funny, that, isn't <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> but some, people, some people do make that work. Don't <laughs> they do, they, I agree, and I admire that, but I can't make it work. I, uh, and, I, you know, you have to, you have to. You are the player you are, aren't you? You can work on your backhand or whatever it is, but if your if forehand's stronger, then you use your forehand more, don't you? Um, and I guess that's that you follow the line of least resistance, maybe, in your... or at least I do in my stand-up. I mean, it stand-up's hard enough already without abandoning the bits you best at and doing some of the bits that you're worst at right
0: what do you think are the bits you're best at what were they in the early days what's the bit what, what was the first kind of note that you struck that you went oh hang on this works this is a this is a vein this I think I scene. think
1: uh I don't know if anyone would agree with this but
0: personally minute, yeah. this is your <laughs> <tip>. <laughs> um
1: I think um language and rhythm of what I say
0: um, very good let the, let the record show I pointed at <laughs> to say I agree with that yes that's good do you agree I, I, with that with me or do you agree yes, with no, that it, with 100%, a comedian 100% so I think, I
1: think there's a flow which I think probably comes from lyric writing comes from poetry comes from doing r- rapping he says in inverted commas <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I, I, I enjoy language and I enjoy the meter as much as the content um so almost the medium's a message in one sense. I
0: believe this will be something like episode 293, and I think we've never used the word metre before. Right. And I think really? That's, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I completely, I can see the, I can hear in my head like the echoes of the rhythm of some of your bits that mm. I know very well. Some of we've gigged together numerous times over a long period, and some of your bits I know... Very well, and mm. already I can go. Yes, of course. That I mean, the bit we talked about that you no longer do the uh, the goose stepping yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, I mean, should we, we in <laughs> any context that on that? <laughs> Let's just leave it. Um, but the you know the rhythm of that bit yeah. is absolutely the bones of the bit. Yeah. The bones of the bit are yeah. the rhythm. It's but, a funny idea. Um, let's let's use one that we can talk about. can you do you have like a mainstay, something that you used last night? Here we are in Liverpool. We both did uh, a bunch of shows uh, uh, whatever the double of a braces of shows whoa, last whoa. night for hot water and f- fantastic shows, energetic rooms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can you think of a mainstay, something that you did in every gig last night, Um, which is... Or I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. Um, One of your... I think of it as one of your best jokes, or one of your singular, the ones I remember most, um, the joke about... Um, being in the bath mm. and knowing that the mums are going to hear about you know mm. what I mean could, could you would you mind just doing that bit that I bit. mean I'll butcher it now okay. and I'm happy to do that I don't want to like, make you do some stuff <laughs> do some stuff but do some stuff but do some stuff <laughs> just, just so I can listen to the rhythm
1: okay um, so
0: I'll, um, I can't even remember how it begins um, yeah it's, it's completely weird out of context i yeah, sure and if this if this bombs and his crap we'll just take it out it's yeah, fine yeah. but I feel like there's something to be said for the rhythm of that bit Um, god how does it start Um, it's really weird I suppose the punchline comes quite a long way after the start doesn't it it's not a short bit Um, there's a better bit
1: I think sorry I can't remember exactly how it starts so I'm fumbling through it but um, I I was in the bath and my daughter who was five at the time walks in points between my legs and says daddy what's that this is a bad situation for a man to be in because you know whatever it is you say, she's going to go straight back to a school, tell all her friends, they're going to tell their teachers, they're going to tell their parents and everybody's going to know exactly what it was that her dad said. So I thought about this very carefully and said, that is massive.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is... Yeah, I mean, it's I, a fantastic... Obviously, under-delivered, you know, presented there, of course, but, but the that it is a the rhythm. rhythm. That exactly... Isn't it? It's that like The like metre th- of th- that is perfect. Where, where it rhymed,
1: it, it's... it's he says affectatiously, "It's it's rapping, isn't it? It's bum 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 bum." You know, and I, th- I ve- definitely because I drummed because I I think that's uh, it's key to me. And I I I I don't really look to comedians for inspiration. I look to music. You know, I would always put music on more than, and I don't know people specials and stuff because I don't really. Um, well, I, I, I you know I don't have a huge fascination with stand up. I have I think I have a huge I have a fascination with with lyrics. I have a fascination with I listen to a lot of rap. I listen to a lot of reggae, which again is, you know, that same sort of information um, uh, and uh, rhythm and meter. And uh, I sort of I, I think I started my career as, as I wanted to. Do you know Main Offender by the Hives? uh maybe it's like really high yeah. energy you know yeah, it's, yeah. and it's like it's not very complex it's just fast and furious and bang 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 and it's some it starts at a thousand miles an hour yeah. and ends at a thousand miles an and doesn't piss about you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's, and, and i and i i wanted to ape that as a stand-up you know I want you to, consciously
0: you, yeah, you I thought consciously that's want, what I
1: want I'm going to gonna do what Great. the hives do um comedically I'm going to I'm going to do it at a thousand miles an hour I'm going to do it like I'm a he- like I'm a heavyweight boxer punching people out and I'm going to leave no gaps and I'm going to leave no uh n- no sort of speaker unburned <laughs> it's just you know and there's there's just you can like it or you can not like it but Boy, he gave us both barrels there. You know, I mean, I've have stepped off that a bit, but um, because I think you can hide behind that. Well, I hide hid behind that, but I think essentially club comedy. It, I you know, I it was in my interest to do so to to leap, to just be bang bang bang, and also I liked that
0: energy and that rhythm. And precision as well. And oh, precision, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Does the precision, does the, the meter that we were talking about, does that mean that you stick very close to a script? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm very scripted.
0: I mean, I write it all. Uh, do you? You write it all out? I write it all out. And At then, what point in the process? Like, from Go, you write the sentence, yeah. and then you learn it, and then you deliver it? Yeah. And then do you iterate it? Do you yeah, and then, it? then
1: once it's sort of up and running, and then, then it gets m- moved around... Like I think I stop uh, if I if I've been doing a piece for maybe I don't know a year or whatever. If I went back to the script that I've wrote a year ago, I bet you it changed an awful lot, mm-hmm. um, almost unconsciously perhaps. But I start off with with writing and chopping out bits, just literally chopping out any extraneous bits, even the word. You know, even I want three syllables here, not and I've got five. What word can I chop out? You know even if it's and or the, i chop them out, you know, so that it, got, so it does, so it has this rhythm. Okay. Um, because I can, um, uh, I feel like I'm doing it like a drum, you know, I'm doing it like a rapper.
0: Um, and do you improvise on stage ever? Yeah,
1: but not really with my material. I sort of, I'll abandon the material to, to sort of gas on a bit. But you know, or if something comes up at me, I will. But 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 I'm not. It's I'm not. I'm not very secure in doing it. Sometimes I can do it, and I go. God, God, I was really good at that. And sometimes it's just a dog's dinner, and so I feel like I I don't try and do it unless I'm AEMCing or B. You know, interrupted. Then I will use it. I think it's a good are limp to sort of stretch but I don't go there immediately Um, I have songs that I've written that that are precise with the exact timings and bridges and chorus with the exact harmonies in place I want to deliver those. I'm not going to piss... I, I might... Yes, I might, you mean I might, meta- metaphorically in terms
0: metaphorically, of stand-up? Yes, like yeah, exactly. You know, I've,
1: I've, I've taken great bones to make sure that the sound's right on the drum mm. um, rela- in relationship to the, to the horn section, so I'm not going to fuck about with it when I then got on stage. I might... You'll do
0: some inter-song banter. I might, yeah, I might yeah, do some inter-song yeah, yeah, banter. Yeah. Yeah, yes, okay. I, yes,
1: exactly. Or I might slightly extend the sax solo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it! <laughs> but... Um, but but essentially, yeah, it's like I've written a song, I've laboured over the song, I want to deliver the song. I think that's why I get, I mean, I get really furious when people interrupt me. Um, I've seen that happen. Yeah, it just pisses me off. I mean, the whole aspect of that, you know, when a stand-up being something that is okay to interrupt, infuriates me people's, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, and then you don't, of course you've had this, when you meet people socially and you tell them they're a comedian, I'm like, mate, I mean, respect, couldn't, you know, hardest game in the world, Why I but mean, utter respect. <laughs> that doesn't seem to translate for when you're standing in front of them of how badly people behave and how badly people don't respect you when yeah. you're on stage. There's no respect, you know. So... um and I don't want to be humorless about it. And I understand it's not a play and it's not a, you know, it's not a monologue. There is back and forth. But that should be done within the realms of good, bad and decent behavior, not just drunk. You know, I hate this aspect of like, it, to me, it's an art form. And, um, and I ha- you know, I don't, I don't consider that, uh, I say that with no apology, you know. It's an art form like poetry is or jazz is or, or music is or dances. Stop fucking interrupting me. Do you ask me a question? You know what I mean? Yeah. To say I don't agree with what you just said or or get involved, but don't interrupt me. We don't interrupt the theatre.
0: You're thrown out. Is that at odds with your the mainstay of your work as a road act, as a club act?
1: Yeah, it's really difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get interrupted all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult. Um, Is there a solution to that? Is there, because, like, if you could do your own tour shows, if you mm. have
1: you toured? Not really, a little bit, but not really. I mean, I did, uh, uh, I did a, t- a double header with Paul Sinner, which was you know a, an own tour, and that's really about it. I've done some you know individual festivals and stuff like that, but not touring. No. So I don't know whether that would work for me. I'm mean, not for want of trying. I just haven't managed to get into that league, um, and whether that would. Uh, be an improvement. I mean, I think I like theatre gigs for that reason that they, people do tend to behave better. Mm. Um, but I also miss that, I mean, I, I think that's again the guy comes to this, I'm a contrary fellow, is that on the one hand I'm saying all of what you said but also I do enjoy rolling my sleeves up and having a good old ding dong at some prick <laughs> in the front row <laughs> you know so um but I some, like last night I mean it's the gunslinger right yeah, a sometimes you've got to shoot sometimes someone. you've got to kill yeah, someone yeah. But I, don't want, yeah. I don't want to I'd like to sell this like gentlemen <laughs> but <laughs> but um it's I said this to actually I said it to Danny last night about that I did the last gig and by that point it was quite beery and boozy and they were nice but I had to alpha mail it and yeah. I don't like Alpha mailing it um, because it's it pushes me into it pushes me and it pushes my material into a realm that it that makes it totally different because I think I'm I think I am I think I am quite funar funar and a bit like. Lewd and crude and sort of like the dirty vicar's son. As, a, I'm, as not,
0: a, I'm not going to translate the term <laughs> for na That's you either know it or you don't.
1: You, know you need to ask. You will never know. But that's sort of. But I feel like I am. I'm the sort of carry on cartoon funar funar aspect of 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 sort of filthy dirty jokes, blue jokes. Yeah, yeah. Not the kind of the alpha male laddie disrespectful. But I find that some, if you have an audience who are, who are who are a bit leery, I push it into that realm for self-preservation. Um, I find that, if, if, especially if you've got to close gigs, and the headliner has, has often got to do a job to do. And it's They've got more unruly, and, and one has to close out the set, and one has to sometimes whack people over the head. And so I become more alpha male. I wish I didn't. I wish I had the courage to be more me, which I think is not alpha male, or at least nicer um, than that sort of slightly wham-bam. So I put on that gladiator's hat to finish the job, and and it's slightly a hat that doesn't fit me. Um, I I can wear it, and I think I can wear it quite well, um, but I don't want to, and and I'd rather leave it... I'd rather leave it off and be more um, vulnerable because I like myself on stage in that environment where I'm being vulnerable and the audience are allow me to be vulnerable. Like, I've got a load of stuff about stroke, my stroke, which I, which I don't know if you've ever seen, which I will do rarely in a club because if, if it gets some dissent, I am so furious... Because it's <laughs> like, how dare
0: you? you? know what I mean? Yeah, Where, yeah, if, I, if I'm talking I about... I have seen the, gear, I've seen the gear about, like, thinking you, think it was a hangover. Yeah, yeah, You right, know, it's right.
1: very accessible stuff. It's very accessible stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's stand-up, so it's like, it's not, it's not, you know, complex stuff. But it's still, I'm burying my soul, you know, and showing the weakness from being vulnerable and going, this is something very dear to me. You know, if someone interrupts me and I'm doing a dick joke, I don't really care, because I'm not really invested in that in a sort of personal way. Um, but if someone, if I'm talking about well, you know, the the the, the third sort of uh, cat scan I've had, and some wanker pipes up, I feel utterly, I feel betrayed, and I feel sort of um, violated. So it will infuriate me. So it go going back to this early, the early point of what I was saying about you know, um,
0: I wish people didn't interrupt uh, because it's an awful do you we'll come on to the stroke because I'm interested in that maybe we should let's talk about that now let's talk about that now Um, you were 40 yep and you had a stroke in your sleep yep and you lost a quarter of your eyesight yes do I remember yes I think it's the, like, bottom left. Which yeah. is the bottom right, actually. It's the bottom right, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, all correct. Uh, I've been, no I've been, I've been last on last one day. of your, um, <laughs> we, we had drinks, didn't we, in New Zealand on tour? Yes, yes. We had stroke day. <laughs> we had stroke day. Well, it's become the stroke my, club. <laughs> <laughs> the stroke club.
1: <laughs> it's become, we drank ourselves to a point where it was worse than my stroke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what was that New Plymouth, wasn't it? That, it that, was that, in wow. New Plymouth. Wow, we, we all felt awful. A, Castor, you. And, and Birdie. Bird. yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, was in was was Gleason? Oh,
1: Gleason. yeah um, yes that's become my unofficial birthday <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I was 40 I woke up I couldn't see properly um, and I, I mean I make a joke out of this but I, I thought I thought I was partly hungover and just exhausted and um, didn't do anything about the fact that I couldn't see properly for, for a couple of days and then went to get my eyes tested a couple of days yeah yeah I just thought it would clear up and I, I'm a huge I'm a such a hypochondri-
0: Australian men listening to this thinking legend, <laughs> legend, legend.
1: <laughs> well I'm, it's interesting actually Stuart because I, I used to be a massive hypochondriac and I think until the point when something quite serious happened to me I don't think I am anymore Uh which is quite a weird thing, isn't it? When, you know, when nothing had happened to me, I was I was full of the.
0: Did you meet a genie and make some sort of wish to end hypochondria <laughs> and then you were the victim of a like, classic ironic switcheroo? Yes, switcheroo. <laughs> um, so, um, uh,
1: so, so yeah, so 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 I I was just like, oh, it'll be all right. I don't want. I don't want do, You know. And I'm thinking, oh, and it, it kind of coincided that a very good friend of mine's father-in-law had a stroke he had an aneurysm um in his head um at exactly the same time and then um i was convinced that uh, he had a brain tumor i was convinced this is what had happened to me and i was like i don't know uh, i'm not i am not not thinking about this i don't want to i'm just I I burying my head in the sand and then it's like it'll, it'll go away and after two days it hadn't gone away so it's like oh god i've got to go to so i didn't go to the hospital i went to an optician's to have my eyes tested who's who said uh I don't want to alarm you, but go to hospital now. You know, um, which is a, a phrase that doesn't alarm
0: anyone. <laughs> you know, uh, so I had a, had a brain scan, um, and. Yeah, you, it, it, was there when you walked into hospital? Was there a kind of um, uh, was there an emergency feel to it? Did they rush you into a brain no, scan? No, uh, I am. Um, I can't remember now. I
1: think. I think. Uh, I, I, so I went to the NHS and they said, you, you, you need a brain scan and I, I, I should have lied and said I can't see, because I, because I said I can't see very well and I, I'm being a bit, I've a bit, I should have been been a bit more insistent. Yeah. Um, they went, they put, they, were, they put me a scan in for a month's time or something, you know, and uh, so I, I went private, that's why I did so I went private and had a scan. Um, uh, I think the next day, uh, and got the results back and he said and again again it's kind of funny in retrospect because i convinced myself in that interim what that was now about a week um that i'd got a brain tumor and i was it was curtains and uh he said to me you've had a stroke and i i remember saying thank fuck for that yeah, <laughs> you Jesus. know, And uh, sort of out loud, and he he was a bit... <laughs> 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 this guy's insane. <laughs> you know, so, but I think it was, uh, it became, and, and he and he said, it's not going to get any worse. It's not going to get any better. So I sort of thought, well, oh, that's better than a brain tumour, you know. Um, so, so really, so I'd had the stroke. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't, i I didn't experience having the stroke because i was asleep i felt bloody awful i felt like like a really bad hangover i was really tired and i couldn't see but i didn't experience having it so really all the trauma came subsequently was going to hospital for for about three or four months sort of twice a week to have you know a, a, a brain scan a cat scan uh having my blood tested, having to swallow a camera, having, having being prodded here, hither and thither, being injected with radioactive dye. Because each time I went, I felt like I was playing Russian roulette. Like this was the time they, the results going to come out. They're going to tell me I've got leukemia or I've got, I'm HIV or I've got i I've got a brain tumor or I've got lupus or some rare tropical disease, you know, and each time they went, no, no, completely benign, you know? Um, and so, each time I went, I was like, "I just, I just played Russian roulette again. I'm fine." And there were there are a few things. I got a hole in my heart, and a cyst on my brain, but but so there were a, there were some things. Um, okay,
0: those are things you discovered. I was born with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you
0: discovered during the CAT scans, yeah, that, were born, that you had been born with
1: them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can actually feel it's got a lump on the side of my head. that You can uh, no it's massive. It's about the size of an egg. Because <laughs> uh, I looked at the he like you want to look at that. And He went that's that's a cyst, and you know. What? <laughs> and you're like, the totally benign. And I'm like, how can it be? It's massive. Just Honestly, it's delicious. Like, so you can feel it. Feel it you? God, I can feel it on the side of my head there. Oh yeah, right, right,
0: right, right, right.
1: It's like a lump, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well it's sort of an in- oh, oh that's it, that's the indentation and yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah but, wait, so but it's benign. Um, and I have a hole in my heart, and that's
1: what they think caused the stroke. Um uh but then, again, at that point, again, while I was going, so, so this is about, this is a heart problem, not a brain problem. And heart problems um, are, you know, it's a plumbing job. They know everything about a heart. I mean, they know absolutely everything about a heart. Okay. And they know next to nothing about brains. So okay. you do not want a brain problem. Sure. You want you're a heart problem. If one is to job. have one. But it is, essentially, you it know what I mean? Course like, course. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it was all, uh, that was all... Um, uh, as I say all the kind of stress came subsequently really um, and it wasn't a bad stroke uh, and, and you know my eyesight is, is isn't is any better but it's not terrible
0: it's and you can still draw yeah because yeah, that's the other draw. one like
1: one of the biggest like strokes you can lose your speech absolutely and well you can lose your total you can lose your eyesight you, lose. you could lose you could lose like um, and your speech of course motor skills so that I mean, you know absolutely you know and with, during my sort of visits uh, to the stroke unit and whatnot, that they um, I met people in terrible conditions you know I mean never for the grace of God so uh, I was very lucky in one sense um, I mean would have been luckier not to have had it at all I
0: suppose I've got a couple of listener questions for you um, one is from a listener called Scott who says when can Nicholas Blanks age 10 uh, colour in the ceiling of the classic comedy <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, whenever he likes, it's not—it's—it it's, belongs to him.
0: That's that—that uh, that angle. Dude, we haven't—we hadn't focused too much on when you started to combine your yes. art with the stand-up. Yes. Which, I mean, the first one of those I saw was Grim Realities. Yes, where you really that no that. That wasn't animation, that was cartoons. And yes. then later you did a show it was animation, yes. which I hadn't yeah. seen. Yeah. Which I'll never <laughs> do again. William, oh, well, <laughs> labour-intensive. So labour-intensive. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, do, do, yeah. Have a word with Howard. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know, I know. You you know sure you I want have. to do that. I, <laughs> I wish I'd listened to him a bit closer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, yes, I did. Uh, 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 at some point, I... Well, I banded, I banded artwork for for stand-up. I banded everything for stand-up because I was like, I'm so full-on into this and it's so all-consuming that I didn't do anything else creative for about 10 years. And then sort of went, oh, I kind of miss drawing, you know, and I started doing a bit of life drawing and kind of, ah, and then drawing a few funny things and then I just sort of had it in, just would do it in a club sets, have a little thing, drawing pad or some imagery or something. And, uh, Thought I wanted to, um, I miss it, and also I'm missing a trick here, you know, um, of combining the two, um, and then taking that one stage further of how in, how to draw funny, which I've sort of, well, I'm st- I mean I'm still learning. I'm just you know I'm an absolute toddler when it comes to that. But I've rather than um, drawing to illustrate. Just sort of a- accurately. Just sort of go. Can I actually improve this? Is it in and of itself funny as as an image?
0: That's a image. I, that is not something I've ever considered.
1: No, I mean I. I mean I me neither really, except for because uh, I was never a big sort of cartoon fan mm. or, or kind of. I'm a bit. I mean I loved Asterix, I loved Tintin, but I wasn't like Beano or you know wasn't. And of course, they draw funny. You know, that's that's, that's visually. There's there's caricature and uh, uh, extended noses or hands or mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of perspective on certain things. You know, a huge hammer or whatever Sure, cart- cart- sure, sure. where people you just look at it as that, that's draw a draw yeah, a funny expression. Yeah, funny expression. An animal,
0: a or, 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 or who's that, looking with a really an expression where you know what he's thinking. Yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or um just. The pictures makes you
1: pictures. The pictures funny. There's no words, you know. Yeah. So it says it. There's a, one wonderful one where there's a uh, it, it's like two, I don't know, two um, scientists looking at a nuclear bomb, and and they got the white lab coats on, and the, the so one has got his head in the thing, and there's another one behind him. With a paper bag, and he's going about to smash his paper bag so it blows up. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. Just
0: like, it's That's just like, The Far Side, right? Is it? I yeah, don't know. I yeah, can't yeah, remember exactly. who it
1: is. I can't remember who it is. But yeah. but um, I just thought that was I just thought it was wonderful that you could tell a joke. Yeah. Uh, with a drawing, you know, rather than like it being an illustration of the joke.
0: Yes. Which, is what I, which is
1: what I did with Grim Realities yes um, you'd have
0: the existing joke
1: and yeah, then you'd and do and a, and and here's I, a version of here's a, it a, here's, a, here's an illustration of that yeah. and, then I, and then I was like can I actually can I do it the other way around can it be funny first or in an, or, 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 or outside of the the, 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 the narrative the, the, the actual written joke um, the spoken joke um, so that's something that I'm trying to work on I don't know how successful I'm being at that.
0: And how? What's the work of that? How can you improve that? I don't know. Yeah, new project, right?
1: Go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I mean, what? Um, what has been quite nice with with my art work to come back to it is to sort of learn a thing, to sort of use it as. um, it's a bit like I've sort of gone right this show I'm going to play the bassoon in it and I'm going to learn how to play the bassoon so that was my first sort of I'm um, you know I'm going to learn how to cartoon to illustrate because I you know I grew up in a, my artwork had been quite classical and then very graffiti based and stuff like that and my the illustrator I wasn't an illustrator or so so I sort of learned how to illustrate I uh, you know how, how far I've got down that road I don't know uh, not for me to say but I Sort of used it as an opportunity an excuse to learn how to do it because there was a reason for doing it. Um, then and then the next show, I wanted to learn how to animate, so I'd, I'd never animated before, so I, you know, I did st- learn some programs and worked on that and, and looked at various videos and how and various a lot of other animations and to see how stop animation done what the actual technical skills involved of what Mm. you've got to do as a process and learnt it like that so i kind of i've I've learned on the job as it were um this time i'm doing it purely in photoshop and so i'm not actually drawing anything with a pencil okay um because i want to learn photoshop better uh uh, hitherto, it, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, for this
1: year? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. What's um, the show this year? What's it called?
1: Uh, it is called Last White Christmas, um, and it is the kind... Uh, I don't want to give the reveal away, okay. but it is a it is the a combination of Red Riding Hood and the Nativity play. Okay. So the Nativity play plays into my Christian background, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, of that aspect, and the Red Riding Hood and the Nativity Thing deals with I have a 14 soon to be 15 year old daughter who is discovering all the joys of teenage rebellion sex and drugs and rock and roll mm-hmm. and uh the idea of telling a story where someone is mysteriously pregnant and uh mm. has to deal with that and you know oh but God did it you know I've found a great favour with God and me being maybe rather suspicious <laughs> of that um I think plays into my own narrative of, of a father yes. with, a, with a teenage daughter. So that's, yes. that's that's that's
0: And and that kind of harks back to some of the themes of grim realities. It's like you you've you've got certain preoccupations. Yeah. Do you think which yeah. kind of like I mean as that's what art is, isn't it? It's kind of one of the things that art is is dealing with and translating and kind of pulling apart your preoccupations.
1: Yeah. Well, I like those all, all of them have been Based on uh, well, part one, the attempted scene uh, notwithstanding, but have been um, g- grim fairy tales. Yeah, um, and I really like the well I liked. Firstly, using sort of, I mean, I, I don't think I coined the term, but like that sort of um, kids' stories for adults. So mm-hmm. it was like I used that sort of uh, the look of kids' story, and I'd have like pull up bits, bits that are opened up or, or pop down or whatever, Mm. you know, in the very much the language of a child's book, which at that point I was kind of reading to my own daughter. Mm. Um, but then make them adult in content so that when you, you know, rather than, rather than pulling down a thing and a, and a snake hisses, it it says, fuck you or something, you know what I mean? So, so, um, um, but using that, using that kind of language, um, and also what I find attractive about the Grimm's fairy tales is is that they're often, uh, or at least they were in, in their p- sort of pre-Disney, um, they were used to teach children the sort of adult world, adult themes, sex, drugs and violence and death and, you know, bad men in the woods and all that sort of, sort of thing, coming-of-age stuff. You know, they were meant to be scary. They weren't meant to be the sort of saccharine you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs kind of thing as, as, as Disney made them, um, they, they were, people, you know, kids getting their heads chopped off and eaten and, mm. and, and uh, you know, that's that much more macabre uh, guts and guts and stuff. And, I, and I, I, I've always found that pretty attractive. And where is that? How do you mean, sorry? In Edinburgh. Oh, I'm sorry. Edinburgh. Uh, um, it is at Banshee's Labyrinth 240 in the cinema room, which is quite handy that's because it's got a screen, you know, so that's quite nice. Um, Are you happy? Am I happy? Uh, no. I've been happy since 1986. <laughs> but but I'm not trying to be happy. I'm trying to be fulfilled and content. Happiness isn't my end game. Uh, and I don't mean that in a woe is me kind of way. Cuz I'm not I'm I'm just I'm creating something that makes me happy. So my intention is to try and create something being happy in and of itself
0: no I feel like I've got to ask some follow up to that to slightly get more to the bottom of that so happiness isn't the end game but being creative makes you happy so you're being creative presumably because on some level happiness is the end game
1: no not in order to be happy I'm not doing it to be I'm not creating to be happy Um, I'm creating because I feel the need to create and if I do it well, or sort of, and, and well, in inverted commas, um, uh, that makes me happy as a byproduct. If it makes, what only really makes me happy, it makes me content. It makes my, it, it, ease, it's, a, it eases my
0: heart. Thanks, man. <laughs> So that was Marcus. Thank you very much to him for coming along and appearing on the show. A real pleasure to talk to him. Remember, 30 more minutes of Marcus talking about a little bit more on his stroke, a little bit more on a short, sharp strategy, shall we say, for overcoming writer's block. Uh, and some other very interesting stuff indeed. So comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, if you'd like to access that and all the other extra stuff. So um, go and see Marcus, come and see me doing Primer, the work in progress show at the Edinburgh Fringe. You can just go to edfringe.com and put our names in the search engine, or you can look, I mean, you can just just Google it, you're a grown-up. Or you can uh, look in the show notes of this episode, that's the other thing. Next week, very excited to be bringing you an episode with Paul Smith, and the week after that Nick Revel is now in the can Nick Revel 40 years or nearly 40 years in comedy with a 10 year gap in the middle so we get like a perspective on how comedy changed over those 10 years when he was writing sitcoms how the circuit changed how the gig circuit changed it's like coring it's like when you see a sort of polar expedition and they draw out a big core of ice and you can see all the strata fascinating chatting to Nick Uh, the Paul Smith one is a a joy and a revelation as you might well expect Uh, and I have some excellent guests uh, in the diary if not the can coming up soon so keep it comcom. thank you as ever to nathan wood for producing the show to rob Smouton for the music who if you're going to go to the glastonbury festival which is in a couple of weeks then go and see rob Smouton's band black peaches i believe they're opening the park stage at noon on the sunday so go along and wear your Comcom com t-shirts and he'll clock you and perhaps wink at you from the stage uh, rob Smouton is also in hot chip but i don't know when their stage time is excellent though they are um, so thanks to Rob thanks to Jake Crossland for logging the show thanks to you for listening sharing it reviewing it on iTunes particularly if you are, it's not called iTunes anymore it's called Apple Podcasts apologies um, but it, the web address still says iTunes so there we are um, but if, if you particularly are listening outside of the UK then your reviews on whatever podcast app on which you are listening are all the more meaningful in uh, getting a foothold in a, a, an even wider more and more global audience for this show I think that's everything I think that's everything. Oh, I don't know if you're aware um, that uh, Ellis, James and John Robbins, having left Radio X, have moved to BBC Five Live. I only just caught up with the first episode. I think it's two or three weeks old now. The first episode of their podcast, which, of course, they record the intro to the podcast just after coming off stage from their first ever live show, in which... They're in a completely different environment uh, on BBC. It is uh, the fan base, the listener demographic is far wider and broader and less necessarily tuned to them as people who built up a very specific fan base on Radio X and, and the ensuing podcast. And you, they are brilliantly, refreshingly, wonderfully, hilariously candid about the reaction to the show from the public. And you get to properly hear them shell-shocked They left it in, they talk about it on the podcast, it's absolutely brilliant, and then they play you the show, which is excellent and really funny. So uh, if you're a fan of uh, Ellis and John, or uh, you fall into any of the numerous self-named categories of Retro Waters and so forth... Um, and even if that means nothing to you check out their podcast Uh, i was crying with laughter as ellis told john that he'd gone gray um uh, it was really fun and not just in a vicarious kind of their suffering way although there is an element of that because they sort of wore it on their sleeves so proudly but the show itself is also excellent so don't miss that right that concludes the podcast bye for now